Am I doing like a countdown? <laughs> Do whatever you want, man. Be the opening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Three States of Sound. Uh, we are back, and we are glad to be back. Uh, as always, joined by Derek in Lansing, Michigan, and Josh in an unknown part of Arkansas. Where do you live in Arkansas, Josh? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, technically, I live in Rogers, but you can just say North Rogers. Yeah. Northwest Arkansas. There you go. Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> anyway. Mountain biking capital of the world. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Lots of good mountain biking here. Yeah. Uh, of which you do not participate. I thought you said the Viking capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, we're the mountain Arkansas Viking Viking. capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're little Valhalla. Here. No, I, I have a mountain bike, uh, but it's got a flat tire right now. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah. But, but that's on the... Uh, it's on the, the to-do list to get that fixed because the new agency, I switched jobs and the new agency I work for, we do a lot with mountain biking and <laughs> people bike into work all the time. And right next to our office is the bike trail and stuff. So it's almost like a requirement that you can at least oh. show up on a bike. So Dang. Do that. you yeah. should come up to Montana and do some mountain biking. There are many mountain bikers here and many mountains to yeah. bike and climb and be afraid of. Oh, so this is why I'm happy to be back so that we can have these solid conversations. <laughs> um, yeah, we've uh, we took a little bit of time off, but we again, we are glad to be back tonight. As always, we we have a. A great conversation lined up. We're going to be talking about musical geniuses in sort of the broader sense of the uh, of the term genius, and also kind of what that means to us individually. Uh, first, as always, um, I think everyone has drink in hand this evening. But Derek's usually the one we start with because he always has something. <laughs> interesting to talk about as Josh swirls his ice of probably Sailor Jerry's and juice unknown. Well, don't don't spoil the the recipe. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Derek. What are, Derek, what are you drinking tonight? I'm doing a red wine today. I'm doing a Malbec. I've actually done a um, which is this uh, is probably not a typical Malbec because most of them are from uh, a lot of the good ones are from. Argentina, but this is a Peruvian Malbec. So yeah. Nice. So, so yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. As he as he downs a little bit of his his Malbec yeah. from the from the Andes region. I have no idea. I'm just trying to make myself sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Hicks from Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. What are you drinking this evening? Uh, it is Sailor Jerry's from. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's Sailor Jerry's. <laughs> In a juice unknown. So, um, 
<laughs> you know, I'm I'm like the uh, least mixologist of the group here, but I've found that these, uh, you know, the it's not crystal light, but it's kind of like that, <laughs> like the little squeeze bottle of lemonade juice that you make okay. water flavored. Uh, I found if you mix that and Sailor Jerry's, uh, it almost has like a rum punch kind of flavor to it. So there you okay. go. That's that's my drink. But yeah, doesn't it? It's an adorable glass too. I can't, I can't see what's on it. But yeah, I got this at the dollar store. It has uh, different drinks and, and like cocktail recipes, so I can learn how oh, to yeah. make a mojito, a margarita, cosmopolitan, Manhattan. But yeah, the dollar all with Sailor Jerry's. It's a dollar, the freaking dollar, and it's a, it's a vessel for drink and a recipe book, all in one. This is like the best dollar I've ever spent. Man, that's a bargain. I like that. That is a bargain. Yeah. Man. I take that back. The best dollar I ever spent was in Wendover, Nevada at a strip club. And that's as much of the story as I'm giving. But <laughs> it was a real uh, good dollar. It was a great dollar. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> well, your comment about what did you say that you're usually the least of the, I don't know what you said, mixologist. the least of something, the least mixologist terrible english but uh i win tonight because all i have is an incredibly light light beer because my covid baby is just out of control i don't know how much weight i've gained during this period but i uh i need to lay off the heavier things and tomorrow i begin my quest to become a world-class roller skater uh, i have a pair of roller skates that are Due to arrive in the mail tomorrow, we've picked out our spot, and I will start roller skating. And hopefully, a, a man of my age, I, I won't, I won't break anything on the first afternoon. And I'll be able now, to do this. <laughs> have you ever roller skated prior? You know, probably not since I was in my teens. Um, I attempted ice skating a couple of times in my twenties, and I was wholly unsuccessful. Um, but I do remember roller skating and I do remember I was, I was quite skilled at it as a, as a 12 year old. So I'm sure it'll all come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, my mom was a figure roller skater in the seventies. Well, sure. Are you being serious? Yeah. Yeah. You can never tell cause you start, you start smiling and laughing. This is the difficult thing is that we're doing this video now. And while it definitely makes this more engaging for us. Sometimes I, I get a little hint of something and I'm not sure if you're kidding or if you're being serious. Yeah, no, uh, totally serious. Totally serious. Um, okay. I don't know how good she was, but uh, if my memory serves me right, she was Fort Smith, Arkansas, figure roller skating champion of 1997. Oh yeah. Now, wow. whether that was just one event at a local uh, skating rink, I'm not sure. But uh she did meet my dad at a roller skating rink. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Skating, yeah, plays a <clears throat> pivotal role in the gen genetic development of my family. Dang. So it's, 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 it's in you. It's in your blood. You, you have roller skating in your genes. Yeah. Well, I think it's time. I think it's time to get a pair of roller skates and get out there with me. Yeah, I'll do it. We'll start a TikTok and, you know, the rest will be history. There you go. We'll both break our arms. <laughs> that's it. 
the same time. We're going to yeah. matching casts. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. I, I I did skate, you know, when I was a kid, but I wasn't very good at it. Like, honestly, never good at it. You know, honestly, I may be imagining the whole thing. I was probably terrible at it. And I've convinced myself that somehow I was, I was halfway competent at it. It's going to be a disaster. But I will get sun on my body, which I desperately need. Um, and hopefully I'll drop a few pounds, which will be nice. If nothing more than just sweating from the fear. Yeah. No, please, please take uh, ample videos of you learning to roller skate shirtless uh, outside. <laughs> that is frightening (laughs) all right um so this is a perfect segue because we'll go from the genius of roller skating to the genius of music um you know what first though we have to talk about what we've been listening to this has been quite a while and uh i know that People are looking for some new music too. So before we descend into the madness of our conversation, let's talk about some new music that we've been listening to. Does anybody want to kick it off? If not, I'll kick it off. You guys want me to? Yeah, go for it. I'll do it. Go ahead. So I'm a big fan of Father John Misty. And I, you know, I, uh, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. I think that for me, he's become a little bit of the soundtrack of the madness that's, that's, that's gone on. Uh, recently, and when I say that, I don't mean to to uh, to 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 either poke fun or make light of some of the seriousness of the things that have happened. But certainly, from an absurdity standpoint, uh, listening to, to 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 some of what Father John Misty has to say, uh, it puts a little bit of an exclamation mark on some of that absurdity. But I had never listened to this album, Fear Fun. And somebody at uh, our local record store turned me on to it. And it's, it's certainly different. It, 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 it doesn't have a lot of the sort of biting commentary that, that more recent Father John Misty has. Um, and it has some serious, like, toe-stomping songs on it as well. Really solid album. I've just been having a lot of fun with it. So Father John Misty's Fear Fun. And then over the last week or so, I am a huge fan of not only the Trojan Records compilations, but also the Soul Jazz compilations, especially the um, the pre-reggae uh, rock steady period. Um, and the Music on Vinyl People, great reissue company out of the Netherlands, has done a beautiful repackaging. Uh, and this one's called Right on Time uh, Trojan Rock Steady, great compilation. Um, from Music on Vinyl to Record Collection. And I absolutely love it. So if you get a chance, give it a listen. Um, and really any of these Trojan Records compilations are are wonderful. So that's what I've been listening to. Nice. Uh, yeah, let me let me jump on that Rocksteady train. Um, Woo! Just, yeah, like... Uh, I listen to that a lot when I'm working, just need some good music in the background. And there was one playlist that brought up the tide is high by the Paragon. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. Know, I thought that was a blonde original. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, so you learn something new every day, but yeah, that was, that was great. And uh, I do love the rock study. Nice. Okay. Well, since I jumped in there, I'll just go next. Sorry, Derek. Uh, <laughs> 
so one of the songs, like, it's not new, but it's not old, and it's not necessarily even that great of a song. But for some reason, Mask Off by Future. Uh, I've been listening to the shit out of that song. Uh, <laughs> probably because it, it's featured in an in a episode of Mork, uh, or sorry, Rick and Morty. Uh, they mentioned it in there. But uh, I never really got into Future like when he was first, you know, coming out but uh something made me go back and listen to it and uh yeah that one's been that one's been on heavy rotation now when you said rick and morty were you did you almost accidentally say mork and mendy uh maybe <laughs> uh we'll never know <laughs> nanny, nanny. Nanny, nanny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, the the other song is fugazi waiting room uh yeah such a good song such a good song yes. and, and uh, I, kind of what sparked the renewed interest in that song for me was somebody shared uh on facebook a clip of, of the co- this uh, you know school of rock type uh, kid group uh in cleveland doing a live version of that and it's just you know these like teenagers uh covering the song and, and a girl is singing and you know it's like a group of like 12 kids just having the time of their lives, like singing the song. And it's, uh, it's really awesome to see just young kids, you know, getting into all the cool stuff like that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, (laughs) then, uh, the album I've been listening to the most though for the last couple of months is the Moana soundtrack. Uh, my, my daughter is, uh, you know, she's getting close to me in a year and a half and she loves Moana and she loves the songs and she can sing, you know, oh, way, oh, way. And she like, does a little hand movements <laughs> and everything with it. So, uh, you know, when, when we're in the car, like I'll, I'll put that on and she'll sing along, you know, as much as a one and a half year old can. Uh, but even when I don't have her, like I'll, I'll just <laughs> listen to those songs and, uh, they're good you know like it's a solid album and it stands up but yeah that's a that's about it for me it's interesting how at this age for your for your children and i mean it obviously lasts in some some way uh through the time that that they're with you but how especially at this age how a lot of what you listen to whether you admit it or not has a lot to do with what you're what your kids are listening to. I remember listening to those, uh, those rockabye baby, those lullaby songs. Oh yeah. 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 Those are great. Like even if you don't have a kid around, like you throw on the uh, rockabye baby. (laughs) Yeah. Lullaby versions of Metallica. It's just, uh, it's beautiful. Yes. I think we, I think we mentioned on one show, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, Mm -hmm. uh, rockabye baby. It's excellent. Find it if you can. And you have a baby or if you don't have a baby, just, or if you need I to did. make a baby. That's true. That's kind of weird baby making music, but yeah. maybe Whatever more suitable for <laughs> maybe throw on that Keith Sweat CD. Yeah. There we go. We should see how many times we can mention Keith Sweat in this episode. Like the Keith Sweat? The Keith Sweat. We okay. gotta make it last forever. <laughs> what have I been listening to? Yeah, uh, Derek. It's, it's, uh, a lot of stuff. Um, it seemed like 
Well, it's it's always the case with me. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always. It's never like I can listen to an album. Like for instance, I just got a. Uh, uh, what did I just get? Um, I can't remember. But uh, somebody who I really, really like, I think I, I sent you guys the link a lot was the Akosama Dreams remake. You guys listen to it? No. Yeah, but yeah. fantastic. The cover, the old Fleetwood Mac cover, Dreams. She do she, she redid. Oh and yeah. I dropped it in the group. Um yes. and I love um I'm kind of rediscovering slow moving camera or slowly rolling camera. I listened to them years ago and I just uh I've listened to them a lot uh lately. And among others, but those are the two that uh I really like. And an artist by the name of Celeste. She has her debut album dropped. Um, I Am Not Your Muse. It's a great, great album. Great voice. Great voice. So, nice. yeah. And speaking of debut albums, so next time, very soon, we're going to be talking about new music. And I have to apologize because we were going to talk about new music tonight. And I totally screwed this up. But I'm looking forward to having this conversation next time about new music. So we're going to be concentrating on said artists who either had just have one debut album out or maybe don't even have a debut album out, maybe have an EP out or a couple of singles. So we're going to devote some time to bring some new music to you guys. But before that, tonight, we're going to talk about musical geniuses. And again, that's sort of a loose, broad, not loose and broad. <laughs> it's an oxymoronic yeah um yeah i mean they're of course they're the they're sort of the easy conversation to have when you talk about musical geniuses prince stevie wonder people like that but we're going to kind of we're going to kind of distill this down to 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 some artists who are meaningful for us, what it means to us when we when we describe somebody who's a musical genius, and also you know, have some 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 talking points here. You kind of like from in, in a contemporary sense, what that means now. Um, and so, first of all, I want to want to ask you guys: Do you think that this conversation, just as a whole, is really this is kind of a function of age, like? When you are 16 or 17 and you're listening to music, do you really start to process what a musical genius is? Or do you feel like over time as you're exposed to more and more and, and, and you become more confident and you're listening and, and you're not, you know, you're, what you like isn't really dependent upon what your friends are listening to. Do you think that this, that this opinion of a musical genius, do you think it takes, it takes shape over time? And you really can't answer this until later in life. No, I, I think you can answer it anytime in life, but it will evolve because just even, even just, you know, outside of the, uh, you know, sort of literal definition of genius, you know, relating to IQ, uh, when, when you're talking in artistic terms, it's really what I think of as a genius is something that has just, you know, profound impact on me. Or something that even if I don't like it, I can see the technical skill of. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. As you get older, uh, 
I think you, you start to be able to discern that technical skill and appreciate things that may not like, you know, yourself as something you would listen to or something enjoyable, but, Mm -hmm. but you can discern the, uh, uh, you know, the genius behind it, you know, you can kind of understand it, uh, a little bit more. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, uh, my list of things, uh, of, you know, people that I'm going to be talking about, uh, the aspect of their genius is really varied. Like there are people who've had just, you know, profound impact on music in general, uh, you know, like the princes and Stevie wonders. Um, but then there's also people that are, you know, behind the scenes. There's also people that are just like their, um, uh, lyrical, uh, crafting of things mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, you know, super lo-fi and, and kid-like, but in its own way, because of the uniqueness behind it, uh, is, there's there's a genius to it too. So I think there's just, you know, so many different ways to sort of break that question down. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You, you mentioned the, 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 the technical skill that, you know, at, at a certain point, there's just like this hyper-focus on technical skill, maybe for some people. I do remember that when I was of a certain age, six, you know, 17, 18 years old, maybe a little bit older, I do remember that the, the conversation was often around those with that technical skill. I seem to I, I seem to remember that it was like it was like three people <laughs> that I would often, my friends would often focus on. One of them was Jimmy Page. One of them was uh, was Jimi Hendrix. And then the other one is, oh my God, and why am I doing this to myself? The, the drummer, for, uh, Neil Pert, Neil Pert from, from yeah. Um, and, and, and it definitely was that sort of like technical skill and a bit, like that was what constituted at that time for me, like a musical genius. I mean, and I, I don't know if I assigned that, that label to anybody else. I think that there were people that I certainly knew were talented, but I don't think I had that, that that time to reflect on what a genius meant, except from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. That was just it. So, Derek, what about you? Um, about this question is uh, this being a, f- a function of age and, and time. Well, yeah, I think that uh, both those points are uh, relevant because you can't gauge without having a body of work, you know, and and, and time within t- to do that work. I mean, you're not going to know. Um, you have artists who, you know, you look at someone like Prince, and I think that you can only look back through the evolution of that particular artist in retrospect. Sometimes people can notice what they're doing at the time because they have they've moved the needle forward, or they've they've kind of broadened the uh, they they kind of broaden the definition, or, re, or maybe even redefine the definition of what music is. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you think of people like. For me, my favorite blues artist is hands down a Muddy Waters mm-hmm. and just the profound impact he had on, on blues, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, in, in retrospect, and you have to have you have to have that body of work, I think, sometimes to kind of see the genius of a particular artist, you know, like Prince, you know, he's making music for over 30 years. Um, I mean, someone like Dr. Dre, you kind of see how he changed and how he kind of defined, uh, you know, rap in general, but 
West Coast rap, specific, you know, specifically. Yeah. Um, he gave breath to artists who probably wouldn't have made it without his Midas touch. You know, mm-hmm. what Eminem would have been what he was without those tracks by Dr. Dre. Uh, you know, so he was just, he, he was a visionary. And I think that most artists who get the moniker genius are at their core of visionaries. They mm-hmm. change, you know, the music, they broaden the music, they, 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 they redefine it. They put, they kind of put their stamp on it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I know that that is a, a Jimmy Page lick, or I know this is a, you know, it's just what it is. I mean, and I think today is just different because you have so many artists making music. You have so many artists. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you only had so many artists. You probably fit them all and, you know, whatever. You probably name them. There's only so many great rock groups. There's so many great soul singers. only so many great whatever. But now, you know, talk about 30, 40 years ago, there wasn't rap. <laughs> there wasn't even a genre of rap, you know. So sometimes, you know, you have to kind of wait for something to happen for these people to kind of percolate up because, you know, 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't any rap. There wasn't a Dr. Dre. There wasn't even a medium for which he could exist. Um, So, and same with every other artist. I mean, I mean, sometimes they have to kind of redefine or kind of come in into a genre uh, in which they able to kind of rise to the top, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's evolution, and that's what I love about music. It's the constant shape shifting that happens within you know music period, uh, yeah. irrespective of, of genre. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? We're actually showing our age because when you say thirty or forty years ago, we could have said that you know ten or twenty years ago, and it would have seemed like a long time ago. Now we say thirty. Now we say thirty or forty years ago, and actually, NWA one of their first album was released what in eighty eight. 89 which was like yeah. 33 years ago yeah I, yeah i hate oh, to call you on that Darius, but hip-hop did exist 40 years ago so. okay well, what, what i'm saying okay be, before there was hip-hop i'll say this right. so i'll, I'll yeah. clean it up you know because sometimes genres have to kind of you know yeah there was grand raster flash and the sugar hill gang in the late 70s uh but you know it wasn't even within the first definition uh, you know, of what rap was. Look at the evolution that's taking place. I mean, if you go back, let's say 50, 60 years ago, there was not any rap. Yeah. There was no rap as we know it today, you know, right. at all. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know. Yeah. When, when you're looking at the genius of something like, you know, for, you know, hip hop and, and rap, for example, uh, you have, you have visionary and virtuoso. Right. So, right. Mm-hmm. you know, the Grandmaster Flash, like you could say he's virtuosic, you know, with his uh, actual DJing skills and dropping the needles and stuff like that. But, you know, Sugar Hill Gang, like their rap by, you know, even five years after uh, rap started, like that is not virtuosic rap at all. You know, it's like simple lyrics and, you know, uh, the, the flow style was just all there was only one. You know, uh, right. it was like, I'm going to make you move your butt, you know, and it's, it was just about the, the party vibe, you know, so, but, but, but it was visionary, right? Because it was different. So, yeah. so that's how that can achieve genius status because it's just so different. But then you get into like, you know, real lyricists and like just super good rappers, you know, like Tupac, 
like that's a virtuosic delivery of the rap sure. medium. And so that's a different kind of genius. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it, it kind of plays on both for sure. Yeah. And then yeah. like, you know, like, like John was saying, there's, there's different elements within that genius. You got someone like Rick Rubin who never sang a note in his life, hmm. but that guy can put together some music. He can tell you what you need to be doing to be great. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's, there's, there, there are those producers, there are those people that are studio musicians who no one ever hears about, you know, who just lay down awesome tracks mm-hmm. that become iconic. So there's, there people only see the front people, people at the mic, but there's so many levels to music genius uh, that kind of go unsung in the popular sense, you know, yeah. the, every, um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to get a quick lesson in genius, um, there's a great video that you can find of Rick Rubin and Kendrick Lamar uh, just having a conversation, talking about music. I think it's it's outside. It's in the, the art of Shangri-La Studios, which Rick Rubin owns now. Um, a lot of famous albums have been recorded at Shangri-La, but uh, they're just in the backyard talking about music. That It's, it's a great great conversation uh and you can definitely learn a lot about the music industry or the the, the recording process in, in the music industry from the two of those guys but it's interesting as we're talking about rap that um you know art when, when we talk about genius and I, th- I think this is a function of time as well but are we affected by genre when we talk about genius because i would tell you there are some people that are less Oh God, I don't want to say less informed, less, less, less knowledgeable, less educated uh, than we are about music who will not even allow rap or hip hop to be involved in the conversation. When you talk about, when you talk about uh, musical geniuses, and, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that they, that they, that they won't take that step to have, to have that conversation. But for us, our, are we affected by, by genre when we talk about geniuses? And what I mean is that like, for me, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can still have a conversation about contemporary music geniuses and talk about a rock musician, because I feel like that there's a lot in the, in, in the traditional rock sense that has already been done. And I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of evolution. I don't see a lot of, 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 um, of sort of new ideas coming from that genre. So for me, I'm affected because my conversation, the conversation I have about musical, about music geniuses, it stays kind of within a jazz and pop realm. So when we talk about these geniuses, does genre, does genre affect that conversation for you guys? Yes and no. No. Yes and no. I think that. Yes, in the sense that people still have an, uh, a need to kind of put music in a box, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. compartmentalize, you know, this is rap, this is whatever. You go back in the, in the, in the like the Ray Charles era, and the, you know, there weren't any genres. It was just music. It was just popular music, whatever, whoever, whatever the majority of people were listening to and were buying the records, and that was a hit. I mean, it, it, it's kind of spanned between, you know, uh, jazz, uh, country, uh, maybe gospel and not it, it doesn't even before rock kind of the inception of rock was a thing. But but that was maybe the four categories of what people were kind of pulling from. There wasn't really yeah. all the, 
there was no alt, there was no new age, there was no, you know, even within rap, you got gangster rap, you got all different types of categories of rap, you know, so you got, you got rock, you got speed metal, you got all this other stuff. But I, I think you can, I think that there's a need for people to kind of, uh, kind of put music in a box. But then again, great music is, is great music, you know, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. I, you know, I think as, you know, Derek, you said earlier, there's just so much more access to music. Now there, there's, you know, you can find things, it's, it's more accessible. So I think, you know, genre and subgenre and sub subgenre, uh, you know, like, like what's the difference in chill wave versus vapor wave, you know, it's like, like dividing these things up. Um, I think it has a, has a logical purpose of like narrowing down so you can get a better idea of what it is if you're searching for a certain thing, but it has the side effect of putting it into sort of those more narrow boxes that inevitably uh, either raise up to highbrow or lowbrow, you know? So like you you have a, a music art form like jazz, well, that's seen as highbrow. And so the more intellectual uh, you are, you know, in music, the, the deeper you dive into it, the more you can appreciate it, the, you know, the more genius it is, right? Uh, and so that's... But then, here's the thing about that, but also jazz was considered lowbrow at one point, right, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, so, the, so, so you know, sort of the definition... You know, yeah, sort of the validity of the art form is going to change throughout time depending on, you know, how much energy and thought and research people are putting into it. But if you look at something like jazz and classical, you know, that's, that, that's highbrow music now. Whereas you have something like pop or even like pop country or, or rap, uh, just in a general terms, like that's more lowbrow. You, there, there's less expectations that you have to understand it to appreciate it. And so therefore it's hmm. less intellectual in its nature. But if you break down, you know, pop, like there's, there's pop, you know, just a sort of Ariana Grande level pop, right. That doesn't seem like it's a lot of genius. You know, we could argue that, but then as you break down into subgenres of pop, like, you know, Billie Eilish, like that's like an indie pop that went more mainstream. Like, does that have more of a genius quotient to it because it's more, individual and unique and not as produced for the masses even though the masses have loved it so it's like kind of a a chicken in the egg situation Hmm. here where it's hard to defend your your definition of genius when it falls out of those highbrow uh levels and so john what you were saying about rock music like i would argue that there's a ton of geniuses out there in rock music now and you know uh, not necessarily new, but uh, bands like System of a Down, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago, like they, they have a complete unique sound because, you know, their Armenian background and everything, like bringing more like tribal rhythms and, th- and stuff like that and more of a world sure. sound into rock. But it still felt like a hard rock album. And then there's people like Andrew WK, which just on the surface, it sounded, you know, like, when it's time to party, we will party hard. You know, it's just party <laughs> music with the kind of electronic beat. Well, he's actually a virtuosic uh, musician, uh, piano player, 
And if you dive deeper into, you know, beyond just the surface of what that rock music sounds like on a Bud Light commercial, like there's interesting things happening uh, within that music and the aesthetic that he's putting out there and just sort of that persona uh, that Mm -hmm. I think are, uh, you know, just as genius as some of the like, you know, uh, more highbrow art forms, but uh, it's never going to be seen the same. You know, it's the same in the fine art world where you have like, uh, you know, Van Gogh. Well, in in the Impressionist time when they were alive, it wasn't necessarily seen as, you know, master work, right? And now a Van Gogh is a master work. Well, 40 years ago, Basquiat comes onto the scene. And, you know, outside of the small, you know, cool art world in New York, if, you know, an art history professor is like, oh, you know, a kid could do this, you know, or like a Jackson Pollock or something like that. Like that's where time and context build up and, and expose the genius that was there more. And I think that's generally more on the visionary side than the virtuosic. Um, because it would be hard to like, it'd be hard to say that Basquiat was a virtuoso level painter because his technical application of, of you know, paint wasn't there. So it's kind of the same yeah. Whereas, like, if you compare Joe Satriani and Kurt Cobain, well, I would say Kurt Cobain's a bigger genius, but Joe Satriani is a much more proficient technical guitarist. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that, you know, that's the, the funny thing about, you know, what's a genius and what's not a genius. It's always through the lens of of, of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when Vincent Vincent Van Gogh didn't become <laughs> a coveted artist until way after his death, you know? So it wasn't like these guys were like, they knew they were, he probably didn't even think, you know, he, did he know he was genius or did he feel that he was that important? Uh, if you probably would ask him on his deathbed, he probably would have, he may have thought he was a failure as an artist, but in retrospect, after someone discovered what, what he was doing and therefore liked what he, he, he did. And then it became, you know, this coveted thing, this cherished uh, body of work, uh, Salvador Dali. I mean, you can go Claude Monet, you can go through all these great artists. A lot of them weren't appreciated in their time, in their lifetime, not even before they even, even, even while they were alive. Where I feel that most musicians, uh, for the most part, get the accolades, you know, <laughs> while they're still living. Um, there's very few people that record music and then, you know, 30, 40 years after their death, they're like, oh, this guy was really awesome. Um, you know, the uh, radio heads of the world and, uh, you know, those, all these bands who are making music today and who are great and beloved are noticed or as, or, or, or are recognized as being genius in their lifetime. So, um, so. I think that genius in, in the music world is is pretty much readily identified for the most part, as opposed to other areas of uh, artistic expression. Yeah, yeah. I and and you know it, it's interesting. Like as I was listening to both of you talk, I was I was thinking about how audience expectation plays a role in innovation, right? Like. 
um, can you can you innovate when you are when you when pressure is being put on you to conform to audience expectation? Is the opportunity there to innovate? And maybe that's and maybe that's why I'm affected by my 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 sort of view of contemporary rock music because I feel like that there is an audience expectation when you're talking about traditional rock. I'm not talking about the perhaps some of the, you know, some of the subgenres of rock where there is some innovation that's taking place. I mean, can you truly innovate in a space that is still standard rock? Um, I was, you know, there's a, there's a younger uh, person who works in the, in the record store. Um, and he is a really big fan of Greta Van Fleet. And I was listening to, I think it's the first album. It's the it's it's the album that is that the singer sounds most like uh, Robert Plant, <laughs> um, and I thought to myself as I listened to it, well, I can understand why somebody might like this, but there's absolutely zero innovation that's taking place. Uh, it does sound very much like Led Zeppelin, so in that in that sort of context, in that in, in that way, um, is it just really audience expectation. Like they just hit a formula that they know that people respond to. Um, or does it take a certain amount of genius to be able to say, I'm going to listen to something like that and be able to, to replicate it to the point that I can win a Grammy and sell millions of records. I don't know. Well, then you gotta understand like, you know, how many people they're young. These guys are not even in their thirties. They started very young, barely in their twenties when they started making music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also they're from Michigan, which is awesome. Um, Are they really? I didn't know that. Huh. Uh, but um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people may not even recognize who are listening to them coming up. They don't have the the benefit of knowing the canon of what Led Zeppelin was doing. They, you know, they don't know who who they are. They just know that it's, it's music who who that they like. So. A lot of people, I think a lot of the, a lot of young people, a lot of new artists aren't connecting the dots or they don't have that musical memory or history to kind of play against, you know, does this sound like Run DMC? Does this sound like Eric B? Does this sound like, you know, Wu-Tang? All they hear is someone doing whatever they're doing and it's new to them and they like it. Uh, so I think it's easier to be kind of snobbish about it when you have, you know, 30, 40 years of kind of music history behind you and you can kind of contrast and compare. But, you know, a lot of these kids growing up, they don't have that perspective. They just know what they like. And sometimes they, they go at what's popular, just like we did, I think, to a certain extent at some point. Uh, sometimes we're influenced by what was popular. Uh, yeah. And then sometimes, you know, it, it, it took us a while to kind of be, to get that confidence to kind of have that discernment to determine what I liked versus what everyone else liked and whether I liked it or not. So, yeah. And, and, and I think that as, as time goes on, <clears throat> sorry. And you're in as, as an artist, now I'm not talking about from, from, from the, the music listener standpoint. So here I, I could be totally off base and completely wrong. Cause I'm not a songwriter or musician, but um over time, you're going to be exposed to more music and the influences are going to be there and there's more and more influences. So as time goes on, is it more difficult for us as listeners to assign the genius tag to some of these artists simply because we feel like, well, 
they didn't have to innovate. They just, you know, they had, you know, they have now, you know, 60 years or 50 years of music to look back on and say, I'm going to pull from there. I'm going to pull from this. Um, And it makes it less important to innovate in that space. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you're looking at a band like Greta Van Fleet, uh, you know, obviously the parallels to Led Zeppelin are there and I'm sure they were influenced by it, but it doesn't like being derivative and, you know, I, I do write songs and and lyrics um, and it's incredibly difficult not to make something that's derivative. Uh, And when you try to force yourself to do something completely innovative, then it's just a different set of uh, derivative factors that you're building on, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I need to make something different. Like I'll make it with this, this weird, you know, drum signature. It's like, Oh, well shit. I just made a fucking rush song, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or or it turned into tool when I put this effect on it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's really, as we get older, I think this is where sort of like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the cliche of like, Oh, you know, there's, there's nothing new and nothing good's been made in the last 15 years. Right. It's because we have that history and that knowledge in the, in the exploration of everything that we have that it becomes harder without getting something that's completely off the wall uh, and intentionally, uh, non-conformist to musical structure that we're used to here. Yep. It's it's it, it's impossible not to hear parallels with other things, right? Like when the Strokes yeah. came out, it's like uh, what I heard was uh, you know uh, Tom Petty, like American Girl beat uh, with, sure. with uh, you know more uh, like the, like Lou Reed lyrics or, yeah. or sorry Lou Reed vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I and, remember thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and then other people were like, oh, they're just ripping off television. Well, I had never yeah. even heard of television when <laughs> it came out. So it's like, it brought me back into that. And, you know, who's to say that, uh, you know, the Strokes didn't, weren't inspired by the same people that predated television uh, and inspired them to be innovative with their sound? You know, like, I don't know, they, they probably yeah. directly influenced by television, but. But you know what I mean? It's like for, for young kids like who are growing up like like my daughter, she's going to grow up listening to a lot of the stuff that I listen to. And just by the age gaps and generations, like she probably won't be exposed to Spice Girls from me, right? But maybe mm-hmm. listening to ELO and early Madonna, uh, maybe she would put something, you know, if she makes music, uh, maybe she would make something that would be more Spice Girls-ish, even though that wasn't a direct influence on her when she was young. So it's kind of like music yeah. leapfrogs itself uh, from as it's passed down from one generation to the next. Uh, or at least that's the way it has been in the past. Now with music being just accessible um, at your fingertips, like who who knows like what's going to be you know <laughs> the next definition of musical genius out there? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's the fun part about 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 music is that you never know where it's going to go. I think that's that's the you know it's it's a crapshoot. It's 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 you never know who could have predicted if you were to probably name ten artists that you thought were amazing. If you were to to go back in time and interview them at the 
at the inception of their musical curiosity and told them they're going to be amazing, you know, they'd probably laugh at you. I mean, who, you know, could, could you have told Prince when he was nine or 10 that he was going to, man, you're going to be, you're going to be a bad mofo, dude. <laughs> you know, you know? For, yeah. for, Prince, I think Prince knew. Like, yeah, like, he, he was like four he months might. old. He's like, I'm going to rule this bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> From what I heard, I think the only person who knew was Kanye West. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that goes to show. I mean, you, you, you know, look at Jay-Z. He was a drug dealer. He, you know, he kind of dabbled in kind of rap, but he wasn't. Who knew he, he would did he know that he was going to be what he was? I mean, and it's probably true for for 99.9% of people making music. I mean, it's just, yeah. you, you never know. And you kind of get into it. And, you know, when people like it, you kind of gain your confidence. So, you know, I, there's a interview with, um, with, uh, what's the guy, lead singer from Tame Impala? Uh, it's a carpenter, Ken? Kevin Carpenter? Uh, Kevin, what's his name? I know there's, I know it's Kevin. I don't know what his last name is. I just know him as Tame Impala. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, Kevin Parker, that's his name. There you go. But, uh, you know, he was, there's the 10-year anniversary of, uh, of, his, of, of his debut album. And Inner speaker. They were like interviewing him, inner speaker. And he's like, you know, what do you think about this? And he's like, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, he looks at it from you know, his evolution of where he is now, but he's like, it sounds like a kid who's trying to prove himself, that's trying to, who's yeah. reaching, you know, and that's, but at the time it was hailed as, you know, uh, a tour de force. It was, it was groundbreaking. Wow. This, it was that, whatever, all the accolades you, that, that, that it actually had earned. But now, you know, 10 years later, he takes himself a little more seriously and his, 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 his idea of what good music is or what a production is or all the other components that probably he didn't really pay much attention to, you know, when he was trying to make it and he was trying yeah. to get his voice heard or whatever. So yeah. it, it definitely, it definitely is a, is an evolution. I think you gotta, to recognize genius and he could be someone who people would, uh, would call a musical genius because he's taken a format of music. And uh, and he's kind of redefined it. He has kind of put his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it even says in Google, Kevin Parker is the musical genius. You know, he's he's got the stamp of genius. Uh, but yeah. would you consider him a genius? And you know, in the canon of music, he's probably he's probably not on the mind of most 40 plus 50 year old people as musical genius. Uh, yeah. But yeah. there are some kids who probably like, Oh my God, he's, he's, he's amazing. And he isn't amazing. He's, he's a very talented artist and I do enjoy his music a lot. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You know, you bring up an interesting thing uh, where he looks back at his music and he's like, Oh, that was, that was trash. Like I was trying too hard and doing all this, but um, I actually like the older Tame Impala stuff better the newer stuff you know um and i think a lot of people do but for me the artist that i i I do consider a musical genius uh is beck right and uh Mm -hmm. one of the things i have been listening to over the last few days was i went back and listened to one foot in the grave 
which is, uh, you know, Beck's earliest stuff. And he was just like traveling around the country with a shitty, like kind of out of tune acoustic guitar, making up folk songs and just absurdist things like that. And, um, and there was a genius to that. But then when he really came into his groove, uh, for me, um, was in like Odelay mutations and sex log, right? Like those, those yeah. three albums are completely different from each other. Like there's right. a thread that goes through, but like, to me, that was the epitome of, of his genius. Like those, those three albums. Um, and then he took singing lessons, uh, <laughs> and, and came out with sea change and yeah. again, great album, but, from Sea Change, like every time a new Beck album comes out, I, I like it less, right? Mm. I don't think he's any less of a genius, but I think he's more self-conscious of what he did. And so he's moving away from the visionary and towards the virtuosic, you know? So I think as he's getting older and he's trying to figure out what's motivating him more, it's more about refining what he did and making it like, looking at the production and, and production value and things like that. And I mean, not necessarily everything he's doing, but you know, he, he's also do, does some uh, creative exploration when it comes to like writing, um, you know, just sheet music for, for orchestras and, and like some interactive, uh, you know, AI powered stuff. That's like really interesting on a technology standpoint, but it just doesn't have that same kind of uh, whimsical soul and just like, for me, what made Beck uh, genius in my eyes was his um, just appropriation of everything that was out there. And he just brought it in in a raw way that was very whimsical, right? It didn't <laughs> feel like he took himself seriously, but you could tell he was seriously talented and just, yeah, I think it was just that sort of freedom right. of expression right. that he had back then that I feel like has kind of dwindled now. And I hope he doesn't listen to this. If you do, hey, I still got your signature on my suit jacket, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like it's kind of the equivalent of a of the comedians who try to be, do serious acting. <laughs> you know, you know, you see so many examples of comedians who are just funny, and then later in our career, they want to be taken more seriously, so they start taking on these serious roles, and they mm-hmm. a lot of them suck at it. You know, <laughs> but you know, yeah. you like them better when they were telling the the crazy jokes. Um, Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but so I mean, the, good the, at it, so Robin Williams. Like, <laughs> Robin Williams is probably the one of yeah. the only exceptions of a comedian who actually was a, a pretty decent actor, also. Uh, yeah. And he's probably in a in a in a class by himself uh, in that respect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, as 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 you guys were were talking, um, it, it it seemed like we were starting to answer a question that we that we brought up earlier, which was which was uh, or a conversation point, which was about audience expectation, and potentially how you know you were talking about back and and I mean I would argue that he's gone against audience expectation, and, and you know I think for him the, the longevity longevity of his career has afforded him that opportunity where he doesn't have to do what the audience expects. And in his case, um, you know, potentially sticking to that, you know, to, to, to the sort of that whimsical quality uh, would have resulted in more album sales, maybe. Uh, Cause you know, you could argue that here's somebody who's innovating maybe 
in a place that people don't expect them to innovate. Um, but it doesn't, it's not resulting in, in more album sales, certainly kind of gone in the opposite direction. I have no idea what his album sales are, but I would venture to guess that his last album is probably not doing as well as, you know, Odele. The thing about album sales now, album sales don't mean, I mean, they try to make it mean more than it really mm-hmm. is. You know, album sales aren't reflective of genius. Our, our, our album sales aren't reflective of, of quality of music. Uh, you got people who who sell, and, even, and people aren't selling albums like they used to because yeah. you have Spotify and you have iTunes, mm-hmm. you have all these other mediums where people can grab, can get music. Uh, you know, so album sales to me aren't a barometer of whether, if it ever was a barometer of whether or bad or will you know stand the test of time. I yeah. mean. Music as a business model, of course, they want album sales. But for instance, um, REM. If you ever, if you guys have ever watched uh, Song Exploder, it's it's amazing. It's a new new show on Netflix, and it kind of talks about mm. uh, actually the 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 new one has um, uh, a couple artists on there you guys will probably like. Uh, has Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor. And, he, and he's talking about the song Hurt and uh, how it came about and kind of how it got like new life when Johnny Cash kind of recorded it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the first season uh, had R.E.M. and they were talking about Losing My Religion, mm-hmm. which their, uh, their label execs hated, hated the song. And they said no, and they were at, and they had enough clout at that time to say this is what this is going to be the first single off this album, and the record execs were saying no, we don't like it, um, and they released it, and it it became probably one of their biggest hits ever. Mm-hmm. It kind of catapulted them into the mainstream. Um, so. What do record execs know? What do record sales mean? Uh, you know, you, it's all—it's always a crapshoot. Sometimes, you know, they want to be very safe in their choice, but the artist who's innovative and kind of doing his thing, left to his own devices, they will create great music. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's—it's it's a great—it's a great episode to watch. If you guys haven't watched it, Song Exploder on Netflix. Check it out. It's uh, it's 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 very good. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Hey. So, do you guys want to get to talking about some some of our what we have identified as musical geniuses? Let's do it. And then, actually, later, Josh, uh, do you have a little, do you have a little gamey game, a little fun little thing we're gonna do? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll make it real quick. Uh, okay. All right. Just more All of right. a mashup than a game, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Does anybody, you know, here since I brought it up, I'll I'll just start. You know, I was I was ta- I was listening to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson earlier today talk about science fiction. I mean, he was talking about a lot of things, but but specifically this episode or this interview, he was talking about science fiction, and he brought up how. How, how how really good science fiction, a really good science fiction story has to have some reference point 
to, to, to sort of what's going on from a contemporary standpoint, which I, I think he's absolutely right. And if you look at, you know, old science fiction films like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I won't go into it at length, but the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, goes into like the loss of self and, and then the 1950s ideal and, 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 and America at that time and, and loss of identity, all these, all these themes that it hits on. And it got me thinking, you know, like, I think that I'm a, you know, I am slightly affected by the cultural references and, and, and the time um, when I identify music geniuses. Cause as I went through my list, I realized, wow, like all of these people <laughs> that I've identified, there is a, a cultural touch point that um that affects their music and and you know for me the holy four you know the i have a tattoo on my arm of, of these four names of coltrane you know miles davis charles mingus and ornette coleman for me those are without those four people i don't know how you have much of anything um and those are you know those are musicians who were at you know the peak of innovation during the you know uh, at their time, and you could even say that in the case of Miles Davis, that the period in time that most people talk about Miles as being a musical genius, perhaps didn't actually happen until much later in his career. You know, if you focus on 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 the 1950s, um, Miles and, and and the early 1960s, you know, it could be argued that what Miles was doing in the 1980s was even more innovative and more genius like. Uh, than what he was doing earlier in his career, but certainly um, those four and James Brown um, and Kendrick Lamar, those are the people that I kind of zeroed in on initially. And I really feel like the time in which the music was created has really elevated those musicians to being the geniuses that I that I consider them to be. Yeah, Fight me. Almost. Yeah, like <laughs> mythological status uh, musician. You know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that the, the, that from a contemporary standpoint, I think the reason, and you know, the, this is this is where I want to be wrong. You know, I, I you know, a lot of times people who have these these music podcasts and and, and these these music journalists and, and these people who are music reviewers, I think they they fancy themselves as as being right about their, their music stand, their, 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 you know, the, uh, the opinions they have about music. And I am free to, you know, I freely admit that I am, you know, I am absolutely affected in this conversation by too much. You know, I, I, I get too much into this conversation in my own head and I can pick somebody that I can, that I'll say is a musical genius, especially from a contemporary standpoint, and I'll completely blow apart my own argument. And eventually I just end up coming back to kind of the same people that I always have. Like I'll, I'll, I'll think about somebody and then I'll dismiss them. I'll say, well, you know, they're really not, or this is just blues based rock. How is this innovative? So um, I do very much firmly stay in this place where, yeah, you're right. It's like this, the, the, these geniuses with, with, with mythological, with mythological status. Um, and I, I can't seem to move beyond that. And And maybe that's a, that's a fault that, you know, the, uh, the David Fricks of the world don't have. And if David Frick is listening, my God, thank you. I appreciate everything you do. You see, that's Sorry. the thing about with me, I don't, I try not to 
Because after a point, I leave old music behind. I mean, I recognize it for what it is, but I don't want to stay there. I don't want to live where all the old music is. I want to live where the music is constantly, you know, shape-shifting and vibrant and steady evolving. I think that's yeah. kind of my hunger for for new music and, you know, the new the newer artists is so tenacious. Um because and the old music is it had its place and, and and I love it and it's predictable and it's comforting but I like I like the the aspect of these new artists coming up and kind of redefining and kind of putting their stamp on things um, I never get I never got stuck in where in those kind of of my formative years of musical awareness like when I was in high school that music is, is or whatever it was great for what it was but I'm still living and, and breathing and changing and thinking and redefining who I am every day so why would I want to kind of put that anchor on me and kind of I think a lot of people kind of define a lot of what they like is kind of based it upon this kind of this anchoring nostalgia and they want to kind of, kind of mm. want to stay there. Um, and I, I kind of, for me, I disagree with that. I kind of like, sure. you know, I, I like the Kendrick Lamar's. Yeah. I like a lot of the, I like a lot of the rappers. I like, you know, Tupac and Jay-Z, but I like the new blood uh, because they are what's propelling uh, the art forward. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why I, I do get I do get stuck in this in this space because often what'll happen is that I will and I think Kendrick I think Kendrick Lamar has been kind of the outlier um, in this where I I have assigned that genius tag to him um, uh, but I have a, I, I have a hard time with it I think because I'll start to have I'll, I'll start to have the conversation with myself <laughs> and you know even from like lyricists you know like rappers. And I'll say like, wow, like that is really, that is really genius. That is really amazing. And then I'll listen to Rakim and I'll say, oh, <laughs> has anybody really improved much on Rakim? And again, I mean, that is my, that is my bias. And maybe that's kind of my old school bias, but sometimes I, I, I end up destroying my arguments in the process of trying to assign that genius tag to somebody in a more contemporary sense. And that's something I need to get over, but yeah, maybe. And I think that, you know, I think that's only a matter of time. You have people that will come out and they'll do something, but it has to keep that, that, that kind of chain of custody of what music is and what greatness is has to continue even through kind of stagnant periods of music. You know, mm -hmm. if we could get stagnant until another you kind of genius kind of arises from the ashes of that stagnancy. You know, you yep. will have another Miles Davis. You will have another John Coltrane. You will have another, you know, Robert Plant and so forth and so on. These people will 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 kind of materialize, but they don't materialize in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. You know, they will stand upon what has been done before. And they will yep. either in it or they will you know there's only so many chords <laughs> <laughs> well luckily we do have Vance Washington and Robert Glasper so there I will yeah, well, yeah. Well, and they're awesome <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah. 
I listen to Kamasi Washington, Roger, Robert Glass. But then again, there's 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 other artists. I just I just discovered about probably another three jazz artists that I really 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 like uh, that are probably you know in their thirties and then maybe under thirty. Um, but yeah, I think those people will arise out of what has been done before and will reinvent jazz. I mean, 10, 20 years from now, you'll hear reviewers say, oh my God, there's this, this young lion who's doing things that have never been done before. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's a matter yep. of time. Josh, what about some, uh, some of the artists for you? Who are you zeroing in on here? Uh, well, I'll kind of play off the, uh, the, the jazz bit. Uh, for me, Tom Waits, like, uh, mm. I really see him yeah. as a genius in, in, in almost like a cartoon character, uh, form, right? Cause I mean, obviously a, an incredible musician and things like, you know, his piano playing and everything is, is at, you know, the highest level, but it's really the definition and the creation of his character, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, the smoky old jazz club where there's like alcoholic, uh, you know, uh, literature writers in the audience. You know what I mean? It's like this very specific LA noir kind of feel to it. That's this totally, uh, you know, engineered character. Like I I think Tom Mm -hmm. Waits is from Downey, right? He is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think he was born in Pomona, California. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So not like, the seedy back alley, you know, <laughs> uh, New York City, you know, that, that you might think if you just listen to his music. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, like the old stuff, like the piano has been drinking. It's like very, yeah. uh, uh, you know, <laughs> borderline comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, oh, yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. Or I should say borderline gimmick record. Like it's definite mm-hmm. comedy, but, but it's almost a, a gimmick. But, you know, like that could have been his end there, but he had so much more uh, to say. And, and just he's he's a poet in, in addition to his music. And so you like, uh, like, like my favorite Tom Waits song is Time off of Rain Dogs. And yeah. it's just um, the way he writes the, the lyrics and just, you know, how he describes things. It's uh, it's it's, you know, beat poetry uh in in a jazz caricature you know but but yeah. it's something that's completely tom waits like and if anyone does anything close to it it feels so derivative because it was such an original uh thing from him but even his originality is derivative you know what i mean so those kind of and at and, and influence I'm, I'm i'm sorry i have to i only have to say this because the like I won't interrupt when the argument is not something that I've made before and I would just want to make it up on the spot, but this is a conversation that I've had with many people about Tom Waits, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. And it, it, there's two points I want to make. One, it's funny, you know, he often talks about Los Angeles and, uh, and I think a lot of people who know, he kind of, you know, he, he made a name for himself actually at clubs in San Diego. And if you're familiar with, with, with Southern California, it's just, it's kind of funny. It's, it's, inter- it's interesting kind of, difference in culture um between san diego during that period which was just a rundown disgusting place um and i guess downtown la was too but the more important point is that the tom waits that that you're talking about 
certainly the first what four or five albums. I think it ended with Foreign Affairs, where it was that Tom Waits. He then became the Tom Waits that we know from Swordfish Trombones and Rain Dogs, Frank's Wild Ears, which was heavily influenced by the person who became his wife, which is uh, Kathleen Brennan. And Kathleen Brennan introduced Tom to Captain Beefheart. And when you're talking about like, you know, where he pulled a little bit of the influence from, it can certainly be said that he pulled a little bit of the Captain uh, into his music from Swordfish Trombones on. But also you talk about musical geniuses, man, did he know how to surround himself with some amazing musicians and anybody, and we've said this before, this show really is about introducing you guys to some, to some new music or maybe things you didn't know. Listen to Mark Rabot. Mark Rabot was his guitar player during that period. And Mark Rabot is just an exceptional guitar player and musician in his own right. But that sound that you hear, that plucky sound, that's the only way I can describe it. That plucky guitar sound that you hear is Mark Rabot that you especially hear on when you don't hear Keith Richards on, on Rain Dogs, that you hear Mark Rabot on a lot of that music. And, and I, I, am, I implore you to seek out his music. There's an album called Rootless Cosmopolitans by Mark Rabot. Uh, it, was, it was released in the, in the mid-90s. Uh, definitely check it out. That's a great album. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Anymore. <laughs> I, I'm learning more about everything every time we talk. About <laughs> um, on, on the flip side of that, um, you know, in, in terms of being like very capable um, of a musician, Daniel Johnston. Um, mm. You know, I was kind of alluding to this in our preamble, but the the raw emotion and just like, again, that sort of whimsical childlike uh, approach to lyrics, um, I won't say negates the lo-fi quality because the lo-fi quality of the music actually helps <laughs> the, yeah. the overall feel of it. But, but there's just something so genuine and um, just authentic and raw about Daniel Johnson's uh, music that, that sticks with me. And, and, and I, you know, it, you know, true love will find you in the end. Like, yeah. It, it's it's such a beautiful song that could have been written by a 12-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, it's it's sort of the opposite of Tom Waits. There's there's not a lot of really clever wordplay or deep, you know, poetry to it, but it's that, that simplicity um, that is its own kind of genius that, uh, that he brings out uh, yeah. as well. There's a great um, little mini documentary that somebody put together. It's about 20 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. Just search outsider music. Um, there, there is a gentleman who goes into the history of outsider music and it ends with Daniel Johnston, who I think it, 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 he claims and, and, and rightfully so that Daniel Johnston kind of epitomizes this, this idea of, of, of the outs, of outsider music. And what he means is, is not music that's intended to be silly or, or, or a parody of anything, but it is, is truly authentic and beautiful. And um, so, you know, starts a little bit with like Tiny Tim, who I think can, can kind of sound silly, but there's definitely some authenticity there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes through uh, um, several um, artists you kind of define this this sort of outsider music um, 
thought, feeling, mm-hmm. theory. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and just on a a personal note, because I don't know if if any of his music is actually on Spotify. I know there's some YouTube clips out there, but uh, a really good friend of mine from Oklahoma that moved uh, to LA when I did. Um, I consider him a musical genius on on the same level of all these other guys. Uh, his name is Dustin Sanchez, and he uh, the last band that he had in in LA was called We Are Good Friends. And you know, I, I would play music with him, and you know, I'm not a great guitar player, but he was even worse. Uh, <laughs> but we would play, and he had or you know still has you know, he, he i don't know if he's doing music anymore we've kind of kind of lost touch over the last few years but um i i could play just you know four random simple chords together he could instantly find a melody that would go over that and he would start just singing lyrics that were right in between daniel johnston when it comes to like sort of that childlike whimsicalness and just, just realness, mm-hmm. but at the poetic level of Tom Waits. Um, oh, geez. And I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll send you guys, like I, I have uh, one of his CDs, um, uh, you know, from back in the day, and it, it just blows my mind uh, how just incredibly talented and hardworking he was at it. And he, he kind of had a, a, a scratchy voice like that was kind of Wayne Coyne-ish uh, mm. in its quality. So it's like, you know, it's just one of those sort of sad injustices in the world that this most talented person you've ever been around, that you genuinely would love his music, whether I knew him as a, as a good friend or not. Uh, just, you know, it, it's fame and, and, you know, things didn't happen for him in that way yeah. but but I, I just you know when i'm talking about musical genius i, I can't leave off dustin sanchez uh, and anyone that's heard his music uh, knows knows what i'm talking about yeah um, is there any particular song of him uh of his that you would recommend uh well i you know i think the uh well there's one on youtube uh but just in my own personal uh, collection uh, Long Live Magdalena uh, is just a simple kind of uh, acoustic song that is about his grandma and uh, he's just like singing to her and I cry when I listen to it you know uh, it, it's just such a sweet song and, and he's got a great way of, of, of putting you in his life like when he was growing up just like how he describes you know like watching cartoons and i would throw things in your hair uh and stuff like that you know it's just uh just incredibly touching but i I don't know if you can find that anywhere (laughs) because like i said they they never really put anything out um uh and then indian giver is uh is a song that i believe there is a video on youtube Look it up right now. yeah so indian giver uh the youtube channel it's at is mr Bo b-e-a-u lambert l-a-m-b-e-r-t uh he made the video for it 
um, some uh, sort of stop motion uh, time lapse stuff around LA. But yeah, it's got 421 views right now from 2010. So let's, <laughs> let's make this shit blow up. Let's get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you can find that, we are good friends, Indian giver, Mr. Bo Lambert on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, it's, it's great. Other than that, I'll just say Roy Clark from, from <laughs> Hee Haw. <laughs> all the instruments, and he's, he's incredibly fantastic. But, all right, what about you, Derek? Oh, my God, wait. I, I just have to say this. I just have to say it. Okay. All right, just quickly. Josh got through an entire segment. Well, we still have a little bit to go, but we just went through all of Josh's picks, all of the 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 precursor to all of this and josh not once said these two words these two names he did not say jeff lynn once <laughs> i want to know why did, did you did you intentionally because you feel like that you hit on ello too much do you feel like jeff lynn is not a musical genius perhaps he kind of gets gets sort of muddied in a space that that, that doesn't make him a genius or or, or, is, or is there something else there, a reason that you did not mention jeff lynn I have a t-shirt with Jeff Lynn on it <laughs> and it's just his face that says genius. <laughs> so no, uh, I think Jeff Lynn is the epitome of musical genius uh, and, and being overlooked uh, by the mainstream. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saving that for the game. Thanks. Thanks again for that. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's right. The game. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Oh, yeah, but no. Uh, actually, I was I had to bite my tongue because when you started talking about roller skating, I was like, "Ooh, that's my lead into Xanadu." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. By the way, Xanadu, you know Jeff Lynn and Olivia Newton-John, powerhouse. Uh, there you go. Fantastic. All right, Derek. <laughs> Derek, he's he's there working away at our playlist for the benefit of all our listeners, but we're going to have to pull you away. Let us, tell us, tell us about your geniuses. Jeez. Uh, I don't know. There's so many. I mean, sometimes I, I get geniuses. That's, that's so, it's so, man, so subjective sometimes for me. Um, but there is a, there's a small group of, I would say, let me name five artists that were, I think, are geniuses and were also influential in my musical development. That's so hard to do, five, my gosh, because it's probably, it's probably more, it's, it's probably more around like 20. Um, but I will give you kind of, and then it becomes, and then it becomes a thing because I'm like, I'm, I'm so present in multiple genres at any given time that it, it can't be, to me, there can't be a conversation for me about Miles Davis and Coltrane without Johnny Marr and Robert Smith or Bajork and Muddy Waters. <laughs> so, this is where I'm at. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at, I'm kind of like, for me, it's moody, it's mood influence. And it's also just, 
I'm, I'm kind of straddling a lot of different things at once. I mean, because then in one breath, you, you cannot dismiss the majesty of Prince Rogers Nelson. You just, you just can't. Just musical prodigy. Guy played over 20 instruments, you know, with a high level of proficiency. Uh, a dynamic composer. Uh, he could write lyrics like no one else. But then again, you know, I've, I've got to, I love Bajork. I love the sugar cubes in which she came out of. Uh, she was just different and her voice is like otherworldly and dynamic. Uh, it's highly inventive, highly creative and groundbreaking. Uh, Johnny Marr, there wouldn't be any Smiths uh, without Johnny Marr. Uh, and he, he moved, he moved the, that genre forward. So there's, there's this kind of so many uh, for me to pick from. It, it's, it's a nice, diverse bouquet of, uh, of quite a few different, not only artists, but probably genres. Um, you know, I don't think there ever be for me anybody who was important for me as jazz and jazz speaking as, you know, and then again, you got Miles Davis, but you got Johnny and John Coltrane, but you couldn't have, you can't forget, they still come from, you know, other artists. But yeah, John Coltrane is a big one for me. Uh, Miles Davis is, is big for me. Um, and then I think uh, I love Robert Smith and, and The Cure. I think that was a, a groundbreaking to me, band. I think Robert Smith, who's an excellent poet, writer, his lyrics were just amazing. You listen to the song, How Beautiful You Are. <laughs> it's like, my God, you're crying. I mean, just, just an amazing uh, artist. Um, and, and the Smiths. I like the Smiths because they were just so glib and kind of in your face. Uh, <laughs> Morrissey would say things that you can't say now. You can't say the things, you can't say some girls are bigger than others these days. You can't sing that song. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't even be played on the radio. It, it wouldn't be, you know, he just said things, uh, and you know, that, 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 that he said, it was just so bold in your face and kind of, and I don't know whether a, a lot of that was him, him just being, uh, you know, kind of, who he was, or was he just trying to, you know, get attention? Uh, but the, but the Smiths were uh, a powerful, influential band for me. Um, but um, yeah, there's there's quite a few going on simultaneously for me um, because I think you you wouldn't have they come from they have a history, but they're also a history unto themselves and you know that they influenced a lot of other bands yeah 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 i'm glad you brought up both johnny marr and bjork um just for me if, if anybody is wondering where to go um the bjork album homogenic is one of my favorite albums and i think that i think that there there are a lot of hip-hop artists who do point oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, at, at Homogenic as being as being a, a point of inspiration. And the cool thing, too, for me is that there's an interview that I cannot find on YouTube, and I'm sorry I can't, but one of these days I'll hunt it down, where she talks about how a lot of the samples that she used 
um, for that album were inspired by just the natural uh, uh, volatile nature of Iceland, how it's just Mm -hmm. a, 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 a land that is constantly you know, um, uh, not evolving, but just growing and, and, and building upon itself. And, th- and that's where a lot of the sounds came from. And she, w- she would walk around with just a, a little like beat maker and she would hear the sounds that were going on outside and then she would create these beats. Um, it's a great album. And man, if you're into like sloppy, and I mean that in the, in the, in the, in the best sense of the word, but like really sloppy beats, um, that album is amazing. Yeah, and and I love Radiohead. I know it's it's kind of trite to say, but uh, <laughs> Radiohead is just they're my favorite band, hands down. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I have a, a profound respect uh, for Tom York and 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 his merry band. Yeah, can you put a Tom York so like a like one a song from one of his solo albums on the playlist? Because I have to be honest with you. I don't know Tom York's solo work very well, and I'd love to 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 know more of it. Yeah, definitely. I could put it. I'll send you. I will send you. I will. I will personally make you a Spotify playlist of my favorite Tom York. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and can you include uh, "Rabbit in Your Headlights" from Uncle that Tom York is on? I can do that. I can. Sweet. Yeah. But then you know, I mean, this just makes me go on the shins. The Shins. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing band. Amazing band. I love The Shins. Uh, talk about lyrics. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> the Shins were just uh, an amazing group, uh, especially their earlier stuff. Uh, Shoots Too Narrow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing album. Um, yeah. What's, what's the album that has? It's, I think it's called Sleep, Sleeping Lessons. Is that the? Is that the song? Album. I think. I think. Yeah, I think it's called Sleeping Lessons. Anyway, if you can hunt down the, uh, you know, the, there are all these videos where on the David Letterman show, um, the old David, Letter, yeah, the David Letterman show, he used to have like little mini concerts that took place after the show was over. TV on the radio. There's great performances. But there is a performance from the Shins, and I've said this before. I've said this before, and it feels like such a dick saying this. But like the worst thing that James Mercer, I think that's his name from the Shins, ever did was letting Jessica Dobson go as one of his musical collaborators because she is an incredible guitarist, and seeing what she does on that performance on the David Letterman performance. Uh, is so cool. She's just, she's just, a, she's a, she's a magician with the guitar, and she has a, she has a band of her own called Deep Sea Diver. And if you haven't, t- if you haven't had a chance to check out Deep Sea Diver, check it out because man, she is somebody that I would come very close to calling a musical genius. I think she is amazing. Yeah, that's "Wincing the Night Away" is an album. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, and, and for me, that's like that's the constant battle for me because I I, I kind of occupy so many different uh, genres of music simultaneously. I'm excited, just excited about the new jazz artists as I am about the new indie band. Just as about, about the new whatever. I mean, I'm just I'm just constantly uh, consuming you know, new music and new artists. And I kind of, I kind of, I kind of, there's like four or five websites that I kind of 
you know, Blue Note, you know, I'm always on Blue Note all the time. Yeah. I, I get their email, all that stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly looking for new music and that's what keeps me going. I mean, and I document my playlist. I just finished a playlist that's 24 hours of music, you know? <laughs> so, and it's, it's, and that's not, I got four or five playlists like that because to me, it's about, it's about setting the mood. I, I want to be able to put that playlist on and I'm, and I, that's my soundtrack for the rest of the day. And there's lots of surprises. I just shared that playlist uh, with somebody and they were like, Oh my God, I love introducing people to new music. I think that's my thing uh, because there's so many people get kind of like stuck in the top 40 kind of format or these these people are great. It's the Stones. It's it's all the it's all the same artists that you hear over and over again. But there's so much in between the cracks, and there's so much. There's just it's a ton of great music out there that a lot of people just don't, for one, maybe have the time to kind of look for. So they kind of go for what's dependable and what's kind of proven and what's popular or whatnot. But there's so many great artists out there that would just kind of, uh, they're making music and not just American art. I listen to, there's a, there's a, there's a great artist, uh, out of, out of, out of France. And her voice is amazing. Um, and I don't understand the word, but for me, when, when I can't understand the lyrics, I don't speak the language, then, then the musical, then the, the singing voice takes on kind of an instrument quality it's like a virtuous like hearing someone play the trombone really good or, or whatever it's the sound of the voice over the substance of the voice i mean i understand mm. what they're saying but they're singing it so beautifully you know that you can't help but to follow with, with the music yep. um and we're so, gonna yeah. get an amazing opportunity to talk about a lot of these new artists that derek is into the next time we record. And I'm so looking forward to getting into some new music because if there's one thing that I've learned by working with the record store recently is just like Derek said, wow, there is so much out there uh, and so much cool stuff that's being released. So that's going to be an amazing conversation that I, I've, I have a feeling it's going to have to turn into like a two-parter <laughs> because <laughs> I think there's a lot we're going to, we're going to get into, but uh, yeah, well, Josh, the entire podcast. Okay, so our uh, quote-unquote game uh, is kind of playing <laughs> off of what Derek uh, was just talking about, in that there's so much new music out there, or so much music in general, and so you know, it's hard to access it all. I know for me that there are a few artists that I just love bringing into a conversation. And people who've never heard of it, like getting them into it, I get a pleasure out of uh, introducing people to these certain bands because I know it's going to open a whole new world of music hmm. if, if they take that bite, you know. So, so that's kind of the anchor point for this game. Who is the musical genius that you are going to introduce to some unsuspecting victim out there? And what is your argument to make that musical genius a genius to that other person? Mm. Do you want me to go first? You already, you already ruined 
uh, who, who I'm, who <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's it, yeah, it's it, it's uh, you ruined it because I'm predictable. I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> uh, if I'm not talking about Kid Rock, of course I'm talking about Jeff Lynne. So yeah. I've 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 done this for a few people, right? Because my generation fell just after ELO was on the radio, right? Um, you know. My cohort didn't really start listening to music till 85, you say, you know, five years old, right? Uh, but my mom had ELO in the house, so it was just one of those things that I inherited. Um, and, and especially in college when, like, indie rock and everything was really uh, getting bigger and, you know, it wasn't just grunge and, uh, you know, rap rock and gangster rap. You know, people were starting to explore Musical Horizons. So, I would introduce people to ELO and Jeff Lynn uh, in particular. And my argument, well, for ELO, I always described them uh, something like uh, if the Beatles were getting, um, you know, uh, accosted by the Bay City Rollers and Beethoven was providing the soundtrack. You know, it's like that's the, the mix of, uh, of sounds that happen there. So, you know, it's this, this uh, interesting blend. But to validate sort of the pedigree of ELO beyond, you know, the prog disco pop that it is. Uh, Jeff Lynn is just such an incredible producer. So he's that one oh. weird guy that nobody recognized in the traveling Wilburys. You know, he produced uh, some pivotal, you know, Tom Petty albums and things like that. So, so that was my argument to getting people into ELO. And I'm happy to say that I've turned some people a number of people onto ELO, including Dustin Sanchez. Like I got him into ELO and we would listen to it uh, together. And I'd like to think it did uh, inform We Are Good Friends a little bit uh, as well. So that's my uh, genius propellant is, is Jeff Lynn. Uh, what about you guys? I'm going to mm. stick with New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with Tom York and Radiohead. Um, I can't imagine that you have, uh, like a lot of great artists, they're going to have a song that's going to fit whatever mood you want to be in. Uh, so, um, from OK Computer to, I don't think you can listen and I, I don't think you can listen to OK Computer and not be kind of moved or kind of feel a certain kind of way. Uh, same for In Rainbows. Um, so, and even with his solo stuff, you listen to the Eraser album or the King of Limbs album. Uh, it, you're just gonna, it's gonna make you feel things and put you in a kind of headspace uh, that's gonna be beneficial <laughs> to you. Uh, and he's just a he's just an excellent so much of what how I think Tom York it's not so much the lyrics but, and, and I think this is true for a lot of artists it's in how those lyrics are delivered. Uh, Tom York has a way of bending uh, a lyric into a note, into a feeling, into an emotion, into a mood, and this is this, this, this vibrancy about. Uh, in a sadness in some cases, 
And I think that, you know, when we're sad, we have some of our, our most profound revelations. Um, because when we're happy, I think we kind of mask a lot of things. But I think when you're kind of sad and kind of blue, it causes a lot of introspection. Um, and I think that's where his music shines. Yeah, I agree with that. Nice. Yeah, I, one of the things that I like that Tom York does uh, with his lyric delivery, especially, you know, in, in some of the more, uh, I guess, dancey uh, tracks, you know, is like he will use his the lyrics as almost like uh, a repetitive element that just is almost like a sample uh, in the way it delivers um, that, that makes it, you know, even, even if it was all live instrumentation, it still has sort of a EDM kind of feel to it. And, you know, when, when he does his weird dance moves, uh, it just accentuates it, you know, like a Notice flower. That was this album. That was the, the, the video that he did the dancing. It was just a, it's a great song. Um, and it, it is so unconventional to kind of see him kind of be that vulnerable uh, with this kind of chaotic kind of off kilter kind of dancing. It, it was kind of, it was a cool kind of, because uh, not everyone can dance. And there's a, and, and there's a pro- well, there's an African proverb that says, if you can, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. Uh, and it doesn't matter how, how other people judge how well you are. But the fact that you're kind of expressing yourself and kind of feeling the music is what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Radiohead and, and, uh, in general and Tom York uh, specifically um, for my pick. Nice. And there's a lot of people who really love I think there's a there's a lot of jazz artists who love their they're kind of in the last probably three or four years, jazz artists are like covering Radiohead songs. Mm. And you hear uh from Kanye West name dropping Radiohead. A lot of rappers uh love Radiohead. A lot of artists love Radiohead. And there's there's something there. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Dan? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting as, as, we're, as this, this conversation is unfolding, it, it, it brings it all back to me. When I used to talk about Ornette Coleman, and Ornette Coleman is not my pick, although he could easily be my pick. Um, because I think a lot of people, when you talk about jazz, he is one musician that does get left out of that conversation about music, about geniuses and jazz. But the thing that, that that always struck me about Ornette is is, is his bravery um, uh, and what he did, um, uh, you know, kind of um, flipping the script on on what people thought about jazz. And as we've gone through these moments uh, in time of music, there have been uh, you know a, a lot of artists who have, who, who have led um, and who have been innovative. And this isn't a commentary on any of us because i know that all of us have a deep appreciation for female for female artists but i think that 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 sometimes those names get left out get left out of that conversation and i don't know why um i mean i have my my suspicions of, of, of why um but certainly you know you talk about television but what about patty smith and there are other artists you could, that you could bring up and for me the 
the big name for me um, and, and who's inspired me is, is Kate Bush. And I've talked about Kate Bush uh, previously. And I think that it's criminal for anybody who, who listens to a lot of contemporary music where there's just, there's just a lot there, you know, like Radiohead. There's a lot that's brought to the table. There's a lot of different influences. There's a lot of different genre melding um, that's going on now. And I think that if you're going to have an honest conversation, Kate Bush is certainly someone that you need to include in that conversation, you know, from a very young age at 17, you know, famously at seven, or not famously, I wish it was famously, but at 17, you know, you know, dropped her first album and really pushed to have uh, Wuthering Heights, um, you know, as, as the lead single against the wishes of the record company. And, and, you know, and, you know, she's somebody that that we've talked about who, who, um, who didn't, want to conform to either label or audience expectations and really went her own way. And I think that, the, that largely that's why she, she spent so much time out of the public eye. Um, but Kate Bush, certainly the kick inside uh, Lionheart. Um, there are a number of albums you can, you can choose from, but I think that, that really focusing in on, 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 uh, on the kick inside, not only the album, but the, the, the single as well is something that, um, that you can use as a starting point and definitely listen to Wuthering Heights. And, and she's just a constant source of inspiration for me, not just in music, but just in life in general of, of, of not, of not following that path that you're expected to follow. And that perhaps the, the, uh, the, the big payoff, the beautiful payoff is when you don't take the route that you're expected to take. And I think that a lot of the artists that we've talked about have not taken that route and we've all benefited from the beauty that they produced. And, and Kate Bush is, is definitely part of that conversation for me. So there you go. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with, with that one too. Um, and I have tried to turn people on to Kate Bush and uh, Wuthering Heights is not the, uh, best entry song for for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> can't get over the the voice. In the it, voice, you know? yeah. and I'm just like, no, that's what makes it so great. Like that's like she chooses to sing that way uh, on this. Yeah. Like, listen to her other stuff. You know, it's it's uh, like it's it's a stylistic choice and it works perfectly. Um, and it, it it is kind of a sad moment. Like when when I share something that you know. I think people are going to appreciate and understand and they just can't, can't get it, mm-hmm. you know, the same way. And, I, and I think that, yeah. I think that not to cut you off, but I think that people have to, I think you have to have, you kind of have to be kind of seasoned and conditioned to be able to accept something different. Mm. You know, you got, you can't just, you can't just tell them to have an open mind and they're going to just, okay, my mind's open, <laughs> you know, bring it on. You know, because I think you have to have a history of kind of already having your mind open and kind of be kind of be open to other, you know, stylistic kind of approaches. You know, you're not going to be a fan of of of, of your, if you're kind of like if you love and you're not going to be kind of adventurous in your musical kind of taste. If you don't appreciate, you know, it's like going to a museum and like every nothing else is a a Rembrandt, so it has no 
value to me. I'm not going to be open to anything else. So I think people have to kind of be already kind of conditioned yeah. in, in a sense to kind of be receptive to something like that. Her voice is dynamic. It, it's a very beautiful voice, uh, but it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea because not because people are kind of conditioned to kind of what they think is good music. If they only listen to Whitney Houston and that's their epitome of, of great singing and that's, you know, there's nothing else beyond that then they're probably not going to cotton to uh, a Kate Bush or be receptive to what she has to offer. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. and yet they'll listen to Getty Lee. <laughs> what? I don't think that person's going to listen to Getty Lee. <laughs> there are a lot of like Whitney Houston diehards that are like, Oh yeah. If I choose not to decide, I still have made a choice. <laughs> Good point. Uh, I'm sorry. That wasn't a criticism. Of Getty Lee <laughs> at all. Well, no, yeah, Getty Lee is another voice that it did take me a long time to uh, to appreciate, and I think that's the the more uh, more I learned to play the guitar and the bass, uh, I got yeah. more appreciation of Rush as technical players, and then sure. uh. just listening to the music and and you know the technical playing of the instruments, just kind of got used to his voice. And then uh, you know yeah. you listen to Twenty One Twelve, and it, it works really well. You know. Yeah, yep. and um, <laughs> we'll bring it back to to Michigan here. Um, the for those who haven't listened to the new Greta Van Fleet, and I have listened to it, it we talked about uh, the comparisons between uh, uh, um, Greta and Led Zeppelin on the new album. The singer sounds a lot like Eddie Lee. He's moved on from Robert Plant, apparently. He's moving <laughs> he's, north. Uh, he's moving <laughs> north. So uh, the next Greta album is going to be called, uh, it's just going to be called Tiny Tim, I think. Uh, he's just going to go for it. So I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> so is, there, is there a song uh, from The Kick Inside um, by Kate Bush that you would highly recommend? Yeah, The Kick Inside. <laughs> the, the title track? Yeah, the title track. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It's one that anytime I make a Kate Bush playlist for somebody, I always start it with a kick inside. It's just because it's, 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 I like to reference the album too, because there's such a great story behind it. Um, if you don't have a chance, I mean, you can find the stories on Wikipedia. I mean, she just defiantly said, this is my album. And at 17, if you think about that, at 17, at the height of album, you know, rock, right? Like, like delivering that album um, in a format that was, you know, dominated by the, you know, the queens of the world, and and uh, and the, uh, you, you know, to defiantly deliver that album and say, this is it, this is what I am, this is what I've recorded, this is what is going to be released. I, yeah, I have a huge well, amount of respect for. I want to reference to Kate Bush, put it out there that this woman's work was not originally a song sung by Maxwell. <laughs> so, so. Is, that, is that a, wait, is that a, is that a Maxwell song? version of this woman's work? No. Really? Oh my God. Oh my God. God. Taking notes, here we go. It, it's amazing, it's amazing. I fell in love with the song originally by Kate Bush. Fantastic. but. Maxwell's rendition of, of that song is, I want to say, equally amazing. It's, it's, oh my it's, God. 
it's pretty good. And a lot of people, you know, in the R&B Maxwell fans probably don't know the history of Kate Bush. Um, oh, my God. Well, there you go. Damn. But, yeah. So def- I said I'm going to put both of those songs on the uh, both versions on the playlist. So. So just in case Amber Dorsey is listening to this, and I'm not saying that she does not know Kate Bush, but if she doesn't know Kate Bush, I would love for Amber to listen to Kate Bush and let us know what she thinks. You'll probably think, oh, that's a Maxwell cover. (laughs) (laughs) What I thought with the the Paragons doing uh, The Tide is High. (laughs) When I first heard that, I was like, wow. They covered Blondie, but wait, this was from 15 years earlier. <laughs> but I tell oh, you, man. the the Cosima, I dropped a link in our in our Facebook uh, group. The Cosima version of Dreams. I don't know if you guys listen to it, but please check it out. Uh, All right, it is fantastic. Just kind of turn the lights off and kind of just listen to this this uh, this woman's voice. It's absolutely heady. Um, amazing. Amazing voice. Nice. Um, there were two. The, the, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there and you guys can do the same. Sorry. It's like I'm schizophrenic. I'm just going to throw shit out there. Um, there were two artists that I didn't bring up that I was going to and that I was thinking about when we were talking about these geniuses. One of them is Roland S. Howard, who I brought up before. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, deceased now, but was one of the uh, the founding members of the birthday party along with Nick Cave, sadly. Um, one of the founding members of the Bad Seeds, Anita Lane, just passed away yesterday. But um, Roland S. Howard, if you get a chance, please listen, listen to some of his work, especially the stuff off of the Teenage Snuff film. It's a great album. Um, and then also Lee Scratch Perry, um, he was somebody that I, that I was I was I was gonna kind of lead with, but if you are interested in dub reggae, if you're just interested in in in, in, in reggae in general, and you want to take a deeper dive, uh, listen to Celine Scratch Perry. Um, Super Ape is a great album to start with. Um, yeah. Any songs on that Super Ape album that you would? Uh... Man, you know what? You know what's crazy about dub reggae is that it all kind of like like falls together for me <laughs> like i'll listen to super eight but i'll listen to it as like a whole album so man i have to be honest with you like i don't know which song i'd want to pick off of super eight so surprise me i'm gonna go with disco devil all right that that just sounds uh evocative <laughs> <laughs> nice all right so um all right, there we go. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. This was awesome. I I'm so glad that we are back again recording, and we certainly uh, have some plans together uh, for some upcoming shows, including our next show, which is going to cover some new artists, and and we're, we're gonna we're gonna dive in. We're gonna dive back into this because I know how much we miss it, and we miss uh, uh, bringing so some music to guys. So is this officially our first episode of season two? Yes, it is. Holy <laughs> crap. This is our first episode of season two. Welcome. We've been renewed. 
There you go. <laughs> yes. Um, please, as always, drop us a message on Instagram uh, or Facebook. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about. Uh, hey, if you want to join the show, uh, let us know and uh, pick a topic and and let's get down to some yeah. music conversation. Uh, yeah, uh, we enjoyed this, guys. Um, please take care, and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Yeah. And hey, Cheers. Before, before we sign off, sign off. Uh, if anyone's listening to this uh, before we record the next episode, drop in some new music that you're listening to. Uh, yeah. Some local bands, some friends' bands, your own band, uh, your own solo stuff, your... Your, your your tracks you made on GarageBand and you just whistle over uh, wh- whatever you got. Like send it our way. We'd love to hear it and uh, we'll include it. Yeah. And also let us know because live music s- seems to be part of the conversation again. It sounds like it's coming back in some, some locations that are wise enough to keep mass mandates in place. Uh, let us know some of those bands that, that might be playing live in your area, especially local bands and, we love to talk about them. And we love to hear about them. So, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Later. Bye.